Here's Devotion 876. Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. Luke's Gospel is about to introduce a term that will come up a total of 31 times. It's a very prominent theme in his Gospel. It's kind of like the immediately, the word immediately in Mark's Gospel, the term Kingdom of God is heavily thematic throughout Luke's. Take a look at Luke chapter 4. Let's begin in verse 42. When it was day, he went out and made his way to a deserted place. But the crowds were searching for him. So they came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, It is necessary for me to proclaim the good news about the kingdom of God. There it is. First of 31 instances. To the other towns also, because I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Now, uh, when we last saw our hero, he was preaching the good news and was healing people in large numbers. And so this crowd is coming after him because, man, he's, he's working miracles. Nobody's ever seen anything like this. So he goes out to a deserted place, which is something that he would do. And then the crowds were searching for him. They found him and they didn't want him to leave, which is, it's quite beautiful. And it, it's, it's quite understandable. This is something Jesus did frequently. In fact, often after there was a big miracle, Jesus would withdraw, go somewhere alone and pray. I'm proud of you for going through devotions. I hope that you have a healthy prayer life, that you're taking time for Sabbath. We talked about this in my small group. If you don't take Sabbath, uh, your body will eventually make you. <laughs> you ever like just burn the candle at both ends for a really long time? And then eventually you just hit this point where your body's like, nope. <laughs> you, either, you either make Sabbath a priority or uh, by default you're going to end up having a break. Jesus is withdrawing, going somewhere alone. He's going to a deserted place, according to this text, and he would do this to pray. And these people sought him out in that time of privacy. But this is a discipline of Jesus's that is obviously worth emulating to be able to make your way to somewhere private, to get together with God one-on-one -on -one to pray and to prep for what's next. Now, he says to them, it's necessary for me to proclaim the good news about the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because I was sent for this purpose. Now he's starting off in the synagogues. This, was, this is the way that it goes throughout the book of Acts as well. They would begin in the synagogues. Salvation is first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. He's focusing on Judea right now, and he's going specifically to synagogues. Uh, but you're going to see as the, the gospel uh, of Luke continues. By the way, these are our books. Aren't they beautiful? Isn't that cool? Thank you so much, Catherine Schmidt, for your design help. As we go through this book, you're going to see Gentiles get saved. You're going to see a Roman centurion believe in Jesus in a way that the most learned Pharisees of all of Israel just couldn't really grasp. The greatest faith uh, of all would actually be exhibited by, by a Gentile who likely was raised with a pagan upbringing. But he's going through Judea to the synagogues. The Gentiles are on, uh, on his radar. They're going to be reached soon. 
but isn't it fascinating? Isn't it beautiful that he's got to proclaim the good news? Uh, this is why he was sent. This is Jesus living up to his name, getting ready for the crucifixion, proclaiming the good news about the kingdom of God. So he's speaking with authority. It's a proclamation. This is indeed good news, and it's good news about a kingdom, specifically the kingdom of God. This is the mode of government of heaven. It's a theocratic monarchy where we have actually, at long last, a good king. In fact, the perfect king. That heaven is ruled by God from his throne makes it a monarchy. He's a king. This is a kingdom. And this is good news about a kingdom. The good news is that at long last, we have a king. He's perfect. He's good. And his resources are limitless. Some kings, most kings, in fact, every king who's ever lived has uh, obtained riches by way of taxing the living snot out of his constituents. But this king brings his own resources, and his resources are limitless. Indeed, it is good news. You can see how the governmental model of heaven has huge bearings on economics. This side of heaven, the best economic system we have to work with is capitalism, and it's not a perfect system. It's got some deep flaws to it, and the sin nature of man can cause it to be corrupt, but currently it's the best tool that we have for lifting people up from poverty. But this monarchy is one in which God provides absolutely everything. He doesn't tax us. He provides. He gives. He is gracious. He is merciful. He is just. He is sovereign. Recently, we've been looking a lot at Revelation, and we can see the throne. We've been ushered into the throne room of God by the prophets Ezekiel and Isaiah and in John's revelation of Jesus Christ. He is a king. And he doesn't look very kingly at this point. He looks more humble. He's the son of a, a shepherd, it would seem. Um, and he comes from Nazareth, which has like a, you know, a bad rap. But this is the kingdom of God on the earth. We were taught to pray, God, your will be done. Your kingdom come. Here on earth, we have sin, nature that corrupts everything. And since original sin, since the fall of man, we've been reeling. But when we ask God to let his kingdom come down, we're asking God to reign and rule over our circumstances. We're inviting his will to be done instead of ours. And we are surrendering our plans and our will to his, acknowledging his sovereignty on his throne and his kingdom. And we're asking God to cause our messed up earthly situation to look a little bit more like the kingdom of heaven. When we consider the outcome of earth, I mean, you can see these glimmers, right? Where God created everything and it was good. And you can see God at work, but that's always when his kingdom is manifest upon the earth when his spirit is working through his church. But that perfection is not yet here. 1 Corinthians 13 describes this day coming when the perfect comes. I believe that's an eschatological statement. I believe that's referring to the end times. I believe that's referring to the day that, I mean, the heavenly city comes down to earth where God reigns. And all of this becomes forevermore 
his kingdom, where his absolute sovereign will is imposed forevermore. And the result of that is perfection forevermore. So this is the kingdom and it is indeed coming. And so it is aptly described as good news in Luke chapter four. Would you invite the kingdom of God to be brought to bear upon your earthly circumstances right now? That is good news, my friend.